Welcome to the Distinct Poplar Audio Fiction Podcast, written and read by Matt Herzberg from distinctpoplar.com. This episode is titled, The Cat That Ate Laughter. Somewhere once in a city that forgot to stay clean. There's a new cat out in the neighborhood. A cat in the strange. Know what I mean? A cat that doesn't quite belong. A cat that doesn't crawl up into car engines on cold nights, like all other cats in the neighborhood do. A cat that don't like toys that don't chase mice, a cat that doesn't like tuna fish, if you can imagine such a thing, a cat that's so off-putting, you can't help but feel squeamish when it's about. This cat is different, noticeably different. First off, its head is way too big for the rest of it. Second, it's got ears, but the ears don't sit right on its oversized head. It's almost like the ears are one-on-one, and they're all, I don't know, weird. Like one ear is too far back, and the other is too far forward. Also, the cat's got these eyes. Oh, the horrible eyes on this malformed thing. Small, little pupils that never seem to be able to fix right on you, like a person's eyes, and not a cat's. This thing is a walking blank stare on four legs, like its eyes are just for show or something, and the actual part that sees you is somewhere else on that rotten fruit of a head. I don't know how else to describe it, like it's actually looking from those off-kilter ears or something. Oh, and here's the other part. The thing ain't sportin' no whiskers. Aren't cats supposed to have at least a few of those? Well, this one didn't. Anyways, it doesn't stop there with the odd appearances. The body is not right either. And I'm talking the whole works. Legs, paws, claws, tail, and furs. The legs are thick and long. The paws are like cleats with yellow claws that are always extended, and that tail, yuck. The tail is the worst part, all segmented and hairless. It looks like a giant earthworm. That tail even seems like it has a life of its very own, like it purposely moves contrary to the rest of the body, like it bobs around in the air trying to get free. Yuck. 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 Maybe that's the part of him that actually does the seeing, you think? Yuck, indeed. Double yuck. Don't even get me started on the fur, neither. Mismatched stripes make the thing look like it got run over with a paint roller. I first saw it up on Lower Low Street, over by High Low Avenue. Yeah, that was the first encounter. 
It's got this thing that it does when its mouth opens up. I call it yowling. That's how I come to find the miserable thing. There I am, minding my own business, when this horrible sound comes and assaults my handsome ears. It sounds like... like it was the cat version of some corpulent opera singer. Some top-heavy feline in a dress who's belting out the end of flight of the arrows of dusk. Or something similar. Like it was having trouble carrying a tune to some fancy production. Hey, I got some culture. Don't look so surprised. Anyways... I never heard such a sound before in all my days, so I go to investigate. That's when I see that mange I described to you earlier. Just the most pitiful thing you've ever seen on a garbage can lid. There it was, sitting like a tyrant on a mound of treasure. But instead of gold coins and jewels, it's surrounded by the bones of fish skeletons and rotted cardboard boxes for cat treats. Yeah, cat treats. The lettering's right on the side of the crumpled boxes. But here's the thing that don't sit right with yours truly. The thing is, the cat is so thin, so malnourished and pathetic, which says to me that it can't get fed like a normal cat, and it's trying real hard to go through the motions. But if that's its thing, then what the hell does it eat? Well, you're probably wondering why I'm bringing all of this up, and I'll tell you. The cat's dangerous, and I'm not sure to what or by how much. The only way I come to find out is by my little nephew, whom we call Little Ampersand. You see, the boy's parents have needed a little help looking after the little kids, so they call upon yours truly. Good old, the handsome boy. So... It seems the kid's been acting out in school and getting into all sorts of trouble. What can I say? He's a fighter, like his handsome uncle. So I think to myself, Self, they want you to teach the little tyke how to fight all proper-like. Get the lampersand into a routine. Have him dust up and throw down. Teach him some real world-class maneuvers from the best this stinking city's ever seen. That's me. Thumbs up for this guy right over here at the end of the bar. Anyways, so I go to help the little bruiser out. Give him some pointers and help him bleed a few noses. You know, when he's good and ready. So I show up to his school to begin the kid's training and size up the competition. I'm all set when I walk through the door there with a tiny pair of boxing gloves and everything. The same ones that minuscule Malgus the Magnificent used to wear. Come to find out, though, the little ampersand's been in more than a little trouble at that school of his. Oh, which one? Kagger Elementary. Go Thunderbolts! So where was I? Oh, yeah. I talked to a few of the teachers, and as I'm signing autographs, they give me the inside scoop. Turns out the kid is getting into trouble because the kid's been all fussy all day. All fussy and irate. Almost as if he's been out all night boozing and whoring and then stuttering the rest of his school day with a wicked hangover. So I says, Alrighty then, the handsome boy is on the case. 
Halfway into a sixer of Sweeney's Big Bottle, I realize I got it all wrong from the start. So I stumble home to rest my handsome head. But I take the long way home of my usual two stumbling paths. I pass neon signs and filthy street gutters filled with all sorts of crud. That's when I run into that cat, when I hear that awful yowling sound coming from a nearby alley. I just keep think-walking and think-walking and think-walking until I finally get home. But I ain't ready to go to bed. No, sir, now I'm stone sober and my mind's running circles about that encounter I had with that horrible cat. There I am with my feet out the end of my sheets and my punchers behind my head. For the life of me, I can't seem to get no snoozing done. My head's all wrapped up in this mess, and I just can't seem to get comfortable, too. And I need to stop squirming around so much in hellish unrust, as my bed started squeaking at me. That's when I look out my dirty bedroom window and see the sun's coming up. I'm standing there in my tidy whiteies, hands up to my eyes, nearly naked in a shower of brilliance, thinking, great, now I'm going to be useless today because everyone knows how much the handsome boy needs his beauty sleep. That's when it hits me, like a mean left hook from the gabbing gabrice, that despicable pig-faced bleeder. An inspiration, a spark. A hypothesis that nearly knocked me off my feet just the same. Little Ampersand ain't getting no sleep, neither. So I figure I need to be there with the boy in his bedroom to observe what's going on. So I get me an old gym cot from the basement, back from the old training days when I was just coming up. Problem was, though, back then I was just a scrawny twerp. Back when I was eating nothing but boiled potatoes, just like my hero, the five-time champion called The Kid from the Road. Anyways, that ain't even the half of it, you see. Turns out The Kid is a sleepwalker, which I don't come to find out till my first night looking after the chum. Never mind that my sister and her no-good-nick husband seem to forget that part. It's all, oh yeah, he does that sometimes. What? Sometimes. Sometimes my handsome ass in a new pair of clean underpants. The kid, he gets up and moves around every night. Goes himself for a little walk around the block with a little smile on his little face. Like this is amusing or something. And it gets worse, buddy boy. Little Ampersand gets mean and violent-like when he sleepwalks. Mean and ugly and mouthy like a little drunk. They say it's his bad dreams, but I never had any dreams that made me scream and holler and run myself into the walls after a full head start. Who's he racing anyway? I don't know. He curses something awful, too, in a voice that makes him sound like he smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. The kid's only seven years old. Oh boy, is he mean, too. He'll punch and kick and bite at you. And all while he's sleeping, so you can't hit him back. Not that I would, mind you, because he's family. Which is why they call the handsome boy to help look after him. Because I'm the toughest guy everyone knows. All right, all right, I'll get to it. Go ahead and skip forward to the good part, right? Okay, 
So one night I find little Ampersand opening his window and climbing out on a rope of blankies. Those are them soft kid blankets, buddy boy. Keep in mind he's fast asleep like a sack of dead pigeons. I mean, he is out. Funny thing is, though, that his eyes are always wide open. Even when the little tyke is destroying his bedroom and spouting garbled nonsense like a crazed lunatic that works the lunch line at an insane asylum. So I go up to him, and I say his name, but he don't respond. He just climbs out the window and leaves me three stories up, scratching my head. Before I know what's what, he's reached the bottom, and that's when I see that cat. First off, All I see is its earthworm tail twitching back and forth behind some garbage cans. Then, it's on the move as my little nephew starts walking around the block making his rounds. Before I rush downstairs to follow my charge, I notice that the cat is looking awful skinny. He's wretchedly thin and frail, like a bladder of dirty fur that pissed out all its airs, and now it's just muscling around on its wrinkled belly. When I get to the street, they're gone. No worries. I rush around the block a few times to find out what's what. There's the little ampersand, and there's that disgusting cat stalking him. I mean it. You never seen a cat hunt anything? Like a mouse, or a bird, or a squirrel? They get them ears down, and they crawl real low to the ground, and they don't make no sound. In fact... The only part of that cat that isn't focused and ready is that horrible open-faced sandwich of a stare he got. That creepy, blank nothingness that seems to wander off towards the sky. This is why I say I think the cat is dangerous. Because at first thought, it looks like what's going on is he's going to pounce on my nephew, bowl him over with that huge head, and then stand on him with those huge clawed paws. For a second there, I think I even see the wretched thing lick its sourpuss right before it's about to launch itself at Little Ampersand. So that's when I start yelling and throwing things at the cat. I toss a trash can at it, lift it right over my head and barrel toss it like when I was on television. When I do this, the cat just stops and turns and gives me that awful stare. Then my little nephew wakes up, and the cat loses interest, and darts off down on its hindquarters, like it's doing a trick or something. Now I know that from this point on, I'm going to have to get that cat. It's a dangerous predator that hunts children in the dead of night. My brain began to kick into overdrive, and I imagine this supernatural feline is the product of some horrible, unholy curse. An evil cat that eats sleeping children, and it must be stopped at all costs. Guess what, though? Good old handsome boy is just the guy for the job. The next night, I set out to the street at dusk. My plan is to make my rounds in the neighborhood. I check the alleys and trash cans. I check the empty lots. I check some of the old buildings that are getting knocked around a bit before they get fully demolished. I find lots of cats. 
dozens upon dozens of them, strays and stragglers and all types, normal cats, the whole bunch of them. They all move like cats are supposed to. They all look like cats are supposed to. And they all got normal-looking cat's eyes, too. But that weird cat is nowhere to be found. So I take a load off on that park bench just outside Cagger Elementary. Go, Thunderbolts! Now a good old solid city bench, that's Handsome Boy's domain. So I make myself nice and comfortable, stretch out and let my hair down. Wouldn't you know it? Just as soon as I get to relaxing, I get a glimpse of that cat. There he is, with that heavy, oversized grapefruit head, practically dragging it across the ground. That's how sickly it looked, like it was so weak it could barely move. So I take advantage of the situation and help myself to a good old golden opportunity to be done with this abomination and save my nephew. So I get up real close to it, and it doesn't even run away or nothing. Too pathetic, I suppose. I raise the jammer leg, this one right here, and prepare to squash this thing wide open and wipe its head guts and brains across the pavement. I mean, the way I figure it, this thing's noodles have got to be like an overripe pumpkin, and I'm going to smush yellow right out of those mismatched ears. Then, and then suddenly, I laughed. It started in my chest, my massive chest. I balance on one leg and raise the jammer up real high at the knee. And then, I just giggle. Up into my throat and out of my nose and mouth. I don't know where it came from or why. I don't know where it went when I left it. Something about squashing that thing's head like a can of yamma yams was funny, but only for a brief moment. That's when the tail came up. That disgusting, hairless, segmented thing. The rest of the animal seemed to resign itself to its fate, but not the tail. It was like a tentacle with a life of its very own. It started flipping about in the air like it was looking for something, like it had found something. And the next thing I know, I hear the sound of a tongue against the lips, a tongue against the teeth. The cat had something in its paws and I could see it consume it as if the remains of some mouse were being hastily gobbled up. But I see nothing of what's left, only a large purple tongue with backward-facing spines, now grooming the paws right there in front of me, as if I wasn't about to smash that blank stare right off his face. Then you want to know what that awful thing does next? It started to purr, and it rubs my legs like I just gave it a saucer of spiked milk and now it's kitty happy hour. It's no longer that pathetic, horrible thing. In fact, it's got some life back in it, and it's wrapping itself around the jammer all loop-de-loop. That's when I back away, mortified at the affection this thing is coming at me with, so I decide to let live 
Hey, let it be known that the toughest guy everyone knows has a real big heart, too. So I leave the cat be and head on my way. But that thing sticks with me. I can't get over that earthworm tail and that blank stare. It haunts me every night since. Even when I settle into my favorite spot, my favorite spot of all places, that's when the dream becomes a nightmare. And that strange creature is the size of a house, and he's looking to squash me like a bug. It's so bad, I wake up in a cold sweat with my oversized heart thumping in my oversized chest. Needless to say, I couldn't get back to sleep, but the timing was right when the phone rang. Little Ampersand was missing. I'd search far for him, but what good would it do? So I have to do something, which is better than nothing. And nothing is walking around the block over and over again, which is actually how he ended up showing up. Little Ampersand was stumbling around like a foul-mouthed drunk as per usual. Eyes were wide open, and he was stumbling over his blankie and wiping his jaw like a drooling idiot. At first, I don't even see the cat, but I know it's close. I know, for some reason, I can feel it. I don't know what to do. So I start out real slow, and head for the kid. And then I see him. The cat. Oh, he looked wretched again. Yeah, he looked sickly. Like one touch could send him into convulsions, and all of his fur would come right off. He's perched up high, too, like he's given up and ready to jump and end it all. Then I notice that he's waiting for that moment when my nephew passes right underneath him. Now, I can't move fast enough, and it's too late before I know it. The cat makes his move, the pounce, and it tumbles down clawed feet out first, like it's a real feline or something. Would the cat gouge out the boy's eyes with one of its permanently extended yellow corn chip-like claws? Would it crush his spine with that brick feet? Maybe that awful tail would wrap around the boy's throat and crush his windpipe. But none of those things happened. The cat jumped into my nephew's arms, the force of which woke the boy up, snapped him right out of it. And then the kid laughed. From what, I'm not sure, but the kid giggled and then laughed, and then let loose a full chortle, a barrage of gasps and jips and squeals, all the while that cat just stared back at the lamper's hand and licked its chops. I tell you one thing, that cat fed off of that laughter, ate it right up. And don't you dare call me a liar. I know what I saw. It started with that tail, which waved back and forth just like before. Next came the paws, which reached up into the air like it was grabbing at something that was fluttering around, something only it could see. When it caught it in the paws, it brought it home to its mouth. Then it opened wide and with sharp canine teeth and a purple tongue that flopped around in dire anticipation, 
It began to feed with a desperate hunger. But on what, I couldn't tell you. It was an invisible mouse or something. I swear. Those sounds of laughter that my nephew was making? Well, it was like he was being muffled somehow. Them giggling and carrying on could be heard from his mouth and set free, but just as soon as it departed, it disappeared from audible range. It just up and gone. All that's left of it is that freakishly looking feline licking its lips. Then, something even stranger happened. The cat didn't look so bad no more. Not so wretched. Not so decrepit. In fact, he started to transform right before my very eyes. He began to fill out and grow and get bigger, too. He took on some weight so much that his belly protruded like a balloon gets inflated. Then he was too heavy for little ampersand to carry. The cat's fur changed as well. Now it took on a strong voluminous sheer, like the very fur had been sealed and sprouted with new life and was now glossy with a strange sparkle when the light hit it just right. Other things happened. The stare was focused, and there was more spring in its step, and it didn't take long for it to dart away after prancing around in a circle like it was putting on a show. Finally, it left, after uttering a deep sonorous purr so loud I could feel it in my handsome chest, like I was a drum. Then it was gone. It jumped to a set of trash cans with a speed and agility that seemed impossible from its new corpulent frame. I knew it was gone, but it was never truly gone for good. Little Ampersand slept better than he ever had that night, and the next night, and the next night after that. But it didn't last, and when the boy started getting sleeps early again, we started leaving his bedroom window open for that cat. That cat that eats laughter. You've been listening to The Cat That Ate Laughter by Matt Herzberg. Copyright July 30th, 2017. For more episodes like this one, as well as ebooks and other details about the city of Distinct Poplar, feel free to visit our website at distinctpoplar.com.